Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. My name is Lisa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. Today, we're reading from the big book. Um, we are finishing Bill's story on page 16. We're on the first paragraph, An Alcoholics in His Cups, um, reading to the end of the chapter, uh, died tw- Mar- June, excuse me, January 24th, 1971, and comments will be on all uh, three paragraphs. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Beth W., the 12 Traditions, Patricia C., Readers of the text are Reva P., Katie G., Crystal P., the newcomer greeters Vinnie T., and our second hour host is Russ M. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, November the 10th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 15,747. That's 15747. The 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting yesterday was 15,000. 749. That's 15749. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Beth W. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning, Lisa. <clears throat> this is Beth W., and I'm from North Dakota. <clears throat> Excuse me. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service and have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Beth W. And I'll now ask Patricia C. to please read the 12 Traditions. Hi, Patricia C. in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you for letting me serve. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Six, I mean seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia C. Um, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the tradition, on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. Um, we are uh, in Bill's story at the end of Bill's story on page 16, beginning with the first paragraph, an alcoholic in his cups reading through the end of the chapter. And comments will be on all three paragraphs. And I'll now ask Reva P. to please read for us. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. An alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. 
Our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way of life. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity, but just underneath there is deadly earnestness. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. Most of us feel we need look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in widening circles of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Bill W., co-founder of AA, died January 24, 1971. Wow, I get to share on these paragraphs. Um, Many years ago, I never thought that would be one of my thrills in life to wake up early in the morning and share on these paragraphs, but there it is. Um, So the first paragraph, an alcoholic in his cups, um, that's a great reminder for me that in my disease, whether I'm in the food or whether I'm indulging heavily in defects, um, I'm quite an unlovely creature. Um, And it's interesting that this paragraph comes after all these awesome promises about how we have the joy of living under pressure and difficulty and there's scarcely any form of trouble that hasn't been overcome. Then I get this warning. Warning, if I don't continue to work the steps and choose recovery, especially when things don't go my way, when life doesn't go my way, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be slow or quick, but I'm going to eventually self-destruct and die. And um, the second paragraph... um, I guess it's also a reminder, you know, um, again, my, my spiritual, um, my, my sobriety, my recovery is dependent on uh, my spiritual fitness on a daily basis. And here it's even saying it's more than just every day, 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day, this big book, as somebody shares, babysits me and tells me what to do every single minute of the day. And if I don't follow directions, I slowly or quickly perish. Um, The thing that strikes me the most is um, one alcoholic working with another. That's where where I get the power, whether I'm on the giving or receiving end, working with others. That simple, simple notion of one person helping the other, one recovered person helping the other. Um, But this word utopia... My goodness, utopia, an imagined state or place where everything is perfect. That was one of my big words. I just want to be perfect. I want to work the steps perfect. I want to look perfect. Whether I was saying it out loud or not, that's really what I was aiming for. Um, And thank you, God. You know, what is perfect? And who decides perfect? Is it Reva's notion of perfect, which is really self-will? Or is it God's version? Um... And I don't even know if that word perfect applies, but right here and now, God is in the present. God is here right now, not in the past, not in the future. Um, And what keeps me in the present, on the beam, in fit spiritual condition, is keeping the substance down and working the steps. I mean, it's it's simple but not easy. Um, Yeah, the simple, simple talk multiplies and multiplies within us, in each of us as we grow, um, and I guess collectively as a group. 
just like the power of example of this vision for you group, which has grown exponentially. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P., for getting us started this morning. Um, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. Um, so who would like to share on what was read this morning? So, Larry K. Roz P. Teresa P. Vinny T. Okay. I I think I heard I think I heard Sybil, um, Teresa, Larry. Oh, hang on, I got Teresa twice. Maybe I just wrote that down twice. And Vinny T. Anybody else? Beth Rodgers. Beth. Emma. Laura L. Laura L. Okay, let's stop there. And if you all will be sure to give me the first initial of your last name when you share. I think it's Sybil M., Teresa P., Larry K., Vinny T., Beth, Sima M., and Laura L. So, Sybil, I hope I got that right. Is it possible it was Phil M.? Um, yes. Can you spell that for me? P-H-I-L. Okay. So sorry. I just um, butchered that, but please share with us. You're fine. Sybil's a lovely name. Thank you very (laughs) much for your uh, service. I really appreciate it. Uh, My name's Phil. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern Ireland. Um, And certainly uh, I was an unlovely creature. Um, And it wasn't just about the weight. Um, I was selfish. I was only thinking about the food, you know, where I could get it, what I could get, how to stop eating it. And I was convinced that the next bite would be the one to fill the hole of my soul. And of course, it never was. Had I been capable of eating a whole shop worth of junk, um, I would have done it. And it would not have filled a hole in my soul. Um, and also another thing, you know, is the, the, the fun, the worldliness and the levity. Um, I uh, do talk nonsense quite a wee bit, you may have noticed. Um, when reading the traditions, I have read that our service centres may employ social workers. Um, which, yeah. Anyway, and also... You may not know this, but I am a medical miracle. A few weeks ago, I got on the line and I shared with everybody that last year I was 231 stone instead of pounds. So, yeah, it's just just not on the ball at all. But uh, for me, for sure, you know, life is becoming like a utopia. It really is one day at a time and it's marvellous. These meetings really nourish me every single day. I listen. At the start, I thought, oh, that's a big demand, but it's not what was required. It's now desired. And I really look forward to these meetings so much. They're fabulous, wonderful teachers. Thank you all so much for being here. Um, And um, I connect. I speak to at least two people a day. And this is the stuff that is saving my life. I'm just so grateful. Uh, With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for your service. Bye. Thank you, Phil M. And Teresa P., you're up, followed by Larry K. 
Hi, I'm Teresa P. from California. And uh, again, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And uh, boy, when I was in the disease, I thought I'd never say I'd be a grateful, um, recovered, compulsive overeater. About that time, was just a grateful, compulsive overeater because I was so, uh, when I was into the disease, I was, I was so desperate, so hopeless, and uh, and very, very unlovely. And it truly was not the weight or all the scars and scabs on my face. It was my soul that was so empty and and uh, sad. And, and run riot with self-will. Um, and not even knowing it, just not knowing it. And what I get to do today is be different and uh, and see, you know, what what I am more and just realize that, you know, when I run with self-will, you know, I just hurt myself and those around me that I love or anyone that gets close to me, let me tell you, it's scary. And I uh, had a little trip with that uh Yesterday, just a little trip, didn't have to go to hell, just a little trip. Uh, we had a water line go down. <laughs> Actually, we were doing a job and a tree limb fell, fell and snapped uh, the water line, the plastic water line. And, uh, you know, and uh, I went into self-will. And uh, we did pray on it, so it wasn't total self-will. And uh, so I'm 70, my husband's 68 with back surgeries and all this, and we're going to handle it. Now it's in, in the ground, so we had to dig it up a little bit, you know. And it's just like, and it was so insane, and I'm praying on it every step of the way. <laughs> and I'm looking at the finished job, and, you know, I just wanted to throttle my husband. And I got to, we were still praying on it. Let me tell you, thank God we were praying on it. It could have been a lot worse. And what I realized, you know, it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. I always just to get to turn it over and, you know, and just, and there was, and enjoy the vast amount of fun there is in everything. And these things are hilarious. My husband's crippled. He's got knee pain. He's always just screaming, trying to get this stuff done. He's got a bit of self-will too. And, and I'm trying not to control the situation, but, you know, I just can't keep my mouth shut. So I finally did pray to God to keep my mouth shut, you know, and and uh, realizing that, you know, this is just so insane. We're too old to do this. Too old to do this. And, and you know, and it's okay. It's all about, you know, sometimes and God was with me the whole way. He was. He was with me. And I just got to watch it happen. And and I got so exhausted, so exhausted. And what, you know, my a reminder. Oh, and thank you. I'll wrap up and just go, you know, God is with me through my, you know, my alcoholic compulsive overeating insanity. And he makes miracles out of my messes. Thank you for letting me share my past. Thank you, Teresa P. And Larry K., you're up, followed by Vinny T. Okay. Good morning. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. Um, yeah, for my friends um, uh, in the UK and Ireland, I was uh, about seven and a half pound or stones heavier than I am today. I think that's over a hundred pounds. Um, I, I was an unlovely creature for sure. And what I want to say is I was an unlovely creature before I got to OA, but I was an unlovely creature uh, uh, in, in my early years in OA. 
And uh, I, I, um, I constantly thought about my problems in a way I, I, I was reliving past events and there was a lot of victimization. There was grief, certainly there was guilt, shame, resentment, fear in a way. And then because I would forecast a future worst case scenario, because I had that crystal ball brain that I carried around with me, you know, that would, um, you know, would turn on a cascade of stress chemicals that would just, uh, you know, that would just immerse my body. And, uh, and, and sometimes I would think about an all too familiar past or try to con- control an unpredictable future. And I remained unbalanced and there was no, you know, there was no higher power in sight. And so day after day, I was unintentionally anchoring, you know, my brain and body to the past. And my memory of past miseries became basically branded neurologically, right? And again, no higher power in sight. And I, and I wonder why I was totally powerless in the face of this disease. But, you know, when we, when we experience for ourselves or witness in, an, in another um, person something that we, we once believed would be impossible, I did, I believed it would be impossible. When we see that in others, we're freed in our beliefs to transcend our own our own limitations in our own lives. And this is precisely what recovery through the 12 steps is like today for me, no, no different than in Bill's time. But it's, but it's 100% dependent upon my cooperation through action. Am I cooperating or am I obstructing? Am I sabotaging? And when I look back in my early uh, years in OA, I remained stuck. And I, I, I could have written the, the book on, you know, on, on how to how to not be brought into alignment with your higher power. It's, it's really, really simple, easy. You know, don't put down the food entirely. Um, stall and delay working the steps. That, that worked uh, for me to not get well. Make sure to regularly ruminate about the past. And, and for goodness sakes, wait until you feel better before you work the steps. A day, of course, that will never come. And then uh, what I did is, um, you don't do this, but I did this. I blamed others. I sponsored myself. I treated this way of life like a hobby. That's something that I would do in my spare time when it was convenient. And most of all, I didn't trust the process. And, and I didn't study this silly, antiquated old text, for goodness sakes, no. But seriously, this, this is a beautiful process of harmonization. We're brought into harmony with our creator you know, am I a participant on the field, in the arena, or am I watching from the dugout? Because I was dying in the dugout, in OA, watching you, some of you, get well. And I looked like a baseball player, had the cap on, the uniform on, the bat by my side. I had the glove ready, but, but rest assured, um, I, I was not on the field, and I had no intention of getting on the field. Wasn't even ready to get on the field. And, and when, when, sure. And when my teammates won, I was full of jealousy and self-pity, but I cheer, pretended to cheer for them. But secretly, you know, I was relieved when they, when they failed. So, um, but I will tell you, when you start taking action, uh, you will experience a change, a change that you thought was impossible. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Vinny T., you're up, followed by Beth. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Vinnie T. in North Carolina. Um, I just honed in on the, on the simple talk. Um, through this program, you know, 
every day I I get to talk to people, um, and they call me. They they call me to talk to me, and I have you know forgotten all about the the negative fearful talk that that I used to have in my head, you know, because I I wasn't talking to anybody else. Um, but now I have I have my fellows and and even my friends you know um, who are not in program they're going to benefit because I don't go to negative places anymore and um, oh you know the best thing that I've discovered in this program is that fun is my authentic self I love fun I love to be fun I love to see the fun side of things and share it with other people so. Keeping it short and simple, uh, this is a great life, and I'm very, 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 very grateful to be here with you all. I pass. Thank you, Vinny T. And Beth, if you'll remind me of your uh, first initial of your last name, you're up, followed by Sima M. Thank you, Lisa. My name is Beth W., and I'm calling from Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, I am really caught. Um, by the words, an alcoholic in his cups is an unlovely creature. And then um, there is deadly earnestness um, about this. Um, that's who I am right now. Um, uh, and I have to be super careful because I uh, just saw my doctor yesterday for a growing depression and, and anxiety. And um, so I have to be careful about the words I use about myself and, and, because uh, it's very easy for me to say, Beth, you're just an unlovely creature. That's just the end of it. Um, I'm grateful to be on the call this morning um, that I woke up and I'm breathing and I'm alive and there's a new day. The sun will rise. Um, and I was grateful for uh, the message I just heard uh, from others who uh, remind me that um, I don't have to be a victim and I'm not the only one who's walked through darkness. So um uh, you know there there is um faith and um and it has to work not just at my convenience and when i want to uh, uh make a big scene but rather um every every moment of every day i can turn to the god of my understanding and uh that will keep me moving keeping my feet moving and so with that i pass thanks Thank you, Beth W. And Sima M, you're up, followed by Laura L. Sima, please press star one. We can't hear you. Well, I thought it was Sima. Well, we'll come back to Sima. And Laura L., are you available? Um, yes, hi, I'm um, Laura L. Um, from Pennsylvania, recovered um, compulsive eater. Um, thank you everyone for your share. Um, I definitely, this unlovely creature part, um, when I came into OA, I thought for sure this was a moral issue, that somehow I was really stained and disgusting. And that if you knew how much I eat and how I ate, you would hate me as much as I hated myself. Um, I also thought I just was pathetic and weak because I had no willpower. Um, you know, I would watch my mother eat, you know, seven bites of cheesecake every Christmas when she made her cheesecake and thought, my God, she had this tremendous willpower. Whereas when I picked up that first bite, 
you know, I definitely couldn't stop. And it, it took me a long time in a way for you guys to explain she didn't have willpower. She just doesn't want the damn cheesecake, you know, and, and explain, running this through that I have this allergy of the body, you know, this abnormal reaction to when I eat uh, certain, when I eat certain foods that I can't stop. And my abnormal reaction is eating the whole damn cheesecake, you know, but um, also that obsession of the mind. Should I have more cheesecake? Should I not? Should I more? more should I or should I? Um, and then also that spiritual malady, you know, that I have a hole in me that you could drive a Mack truck through, you know, that. So I have all these three things going on. My mother doesn't have that problem. She just doesn't want the damn cheesecake. Um, so it really took away that idea that this unlovely creature that lied with inside of me. And see, I have this disease and that that can be treated. Um, also, you know, I work with dying people. It talks in here about tragic and suicide and death. And, you know, the big book will threaten our lives in a very precious way several times and tell, tell us, if you don't do this, you're going to die. You know, I work with dying people every day and I could walk into any of their houses today and tell them I have a way out for you. And every single one of them with tears in their eyes would do exactly what I offered them to, that would help save them. But I come into OA and they offer me these two alternatives to die an alcoholic death or to accept spiritual help. And I go, well, how bad is this alcoholic death going to be? What the hell, you know? And spiritual help. I don't know. I got to think about this. And where it talks about in the one part about having this dilemma, you know, we have and a dilemma is two equally undesirable alternatives. And that is number one, I have a problem I can't solve. And number two, I have a solution I don't want. And this idea of these alternatives, it doesn't say we have choices. A choice is you could do it or not. An alternative is pick one or the other, alcoholic death or accept spiritual health. And, you know, that's pathetic. You know, I came in, I got to think about it. Um, and then when it goes on here to say, uh, look for no further utopia, it's the story of this guy. I heard someone share this in a meeting um, back in South Africa. A man inherited this ranch from his father. It was an extravagant ranch, but he would secure his family for the rest of his life. But it was during the great diamond boom of South Africa, and everyone was getting mega rich overnight. So he sold the ranch because he couldn't let go of it. He wanted this money. And he bought the equipment, and he went out into the bush to find these diamonds. He never found them. He died a miserable man. And one day they were excavating the land, the developers, and they found some unusual stones. And here underneath the ranch lie the biggest diamond mine ever on the face of the planet. And that's me. I'm that idiot out looking in the bush for these diamonds. And they're right here in front of us. And most of us will die with for what is right within our reach in a way every single day. And we're out looking in the bush. And that's me. And thank God today that, you know, God has, I don't know, worked with me and you guys have helped me and I don't have to be out there looking in the bush. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Laura L. And before we continue, I'll check again to see if Sima M is available. I thought I heard Sima. Okay. Um, So before I take another list of names, just a reminder of where we are today in the big book. We're on page 16, the first paragraph, beginning an alcoholic in his cups. Reading through the end of the chapter, died January 24th, 1971. So who else would like to comment on what was read? Shelly C.R. Katie T. Anne Carol K. Amy G. Okay, hang on. Okay, hang on. (laughs) Um, uh, So you're going to have to remind, I mean, you have to tell me the first initial of your last name. I have Lynn, Roz, Shelly, Katie T., Anne Carol, Amy G., and Kim. I guess we probably ought to stop there. Um, again, if you'll remind me of the first initial of your last name, Lynn. Good morning. This is Lynn S. 
recovered compulsive reader in Toronto, Canada. There's so much in these paragraphs, but it really reminded me of um, what I was like, what life was like pre-program. And I remember my aunt saying to me, you were always so angry. And I thought, me? I wasn't angry. I was, in my head, like just the nicest person, but I wasn't. I was so angry and so fearful. And it was just awful. And I remember um, my dad had died at 34 in a car accident. And I remember thinking, all I have to do is make it to 34. And once I hit 34, then I will die too, and it will be over. All I wanted was it to be over. And when I woke up the next day, I was inconsolable. I thought, oh, dear, you know, don't tell me I have to exist. You know, one more day, I can't. I can't. And the reason I'm saying this is my life now is is this utopia they talked about. And I never, ever thought I would ever say that. Having the life I do, single, retired, um, you know, and those are all wonderful, but somebody was sort of pointing out the other day, well, don't you feel badly? You don't, you know, you don't sort of have a profession, you don't have a title, you don't have this, you don't have that. You know, how do I? you identify yourself? And I thought... It's so amazing because I am so happy no matter what is going on in my life. Things don't affect me before the way they used to. They're not life and death anymore. What is life and death is my recovery. But I don't have to live it with that intenseness that the disease caused and that foreboding intenseness in recovery as well because it's a way of life and this way of life gives me more joy I'm still single I never thought I would be single at 67 years old I thought you know I always had these envisions of spending a life with somebody and I'm not resigned to it I'm happy in it you know some other uh, member always talks about living absolutely happily I am happy the food is quiet my life is good. Every day, no matter what I'm going through, is better than the one before. And it's just, it's, it is a utopia here, and I'm just so surprised. And the other line that really speaks to me has helped me a lot, too. It says, he could not or would not see our way of life. Lynn S. used to be so judgmental. And I don't know what's wrong with these OA people. They just can't get it. They just aren't trying. They aren't doing it. Well, Lynn, wake up. It says some people here could not or would not, and maybe they can't. I am so grateful that I have been blessed with this recovery. So maybe I could, maybe I would. I just know surrendering was the hardest thing I ever did in my life and the most wonderful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. And Roz, you're up, followed by Shelley. Good morning. Uh, my name is Roz G. Thank you for hearing me. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. A couple of things just to bring it to today. Um, I think it's really cool how we've read how um, Bill, our co-founder of AA, died 
January 24, 1971, and how he mentioned um, in his story uh, a significant occurrence on Armistice Day. And um, Armistice Day today is Veterans Day, and I was um, teaching my, my students about that yesterday, how it used to be called Armistice Day. So anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but I would like to say that um, I, I too uh, was a very ugly woman, um, very angry, very jealous. Uh, my two biggest character defects, two two or three of them, was um, jealousy, envy, and pride. And although I didn't think I was, I thought I was, you know, God's gift to everyone. And um, angry when I wouldn't get the attention that I think I deserved. And uh, a couple years ago, I remember transferring jobs because I didn't think I was getting the attention or the recognition that I deserved. I didn't feel appreciated. And so I transferred thinking that I was going to get promoted at this other place for which I did not. In fact, I applied for 10 different jobs and got not, got not a one of them and going through my sponsor with each one of these. <laughs> and she kept telling me, God's will. So it's such a switch, such a soft. If if God wants it, you'll have it. If God wants it, you'll have it. And I would be like, ah, ah, angry. You know, I needed a good dose of humility, and I got it. I'm glad that I got kicked in the butt hard over there because I needed it, and I went through the steps again, and and I took it seriously. And I did exactly what I was told to do. I made the outreach calls. I me make an outreach call. I don't need to make outreach calls. Yes, I do. Me do a nightly review. Yes, I do. Me do a morning gratitude list and morning the morning routine. Yes, I do. Me sponsor others. I have to. And I am. Uh, I just the, the proof here is that I was in a meeting the other day with a parent and some other people. And the parent contacted me later and said, you are the classiest person at that in that meeting. I'm so grateful that you are my child's case carrier. You were, thank you so much. And I was following a principle, step 12, you know, the principles of being a, a, a humble woman, doing my job to the best of my ability. All of this stuff comes into play as a person who is working the 12 steps. And yes, of course, it's not compulsively overeating, but what kind of person I was, jealous, and jealous, envious, uh, prideful. Today, I pray Thanks and ask God in the morning. Thank you. And I'll wrap up by asking God to help me to be humble and gracious and grateful for everything that I've been given. And may I share it with others. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Roz G. And Shelly, you're up, followed by Katie T. Good morning. This is Shelley CR, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern Minnesota. Thank you so much for your service and thanks for the service of everyone who puts this meeting together. Make sure it's happening because it is so helpful for me whenever I get a chance to join. Um, and I'm sitting here on this lovely Wednesday morning and it snowed heavily last night and uh, winter has begun. And I'm grateful for it because one of the things that I learned within program is that Although I am not an outdoors person and I'm not a cold-loving person, um, I can find things to enjoy about winter and about the cold and about being outside and playing in the snow, which fits in with what it talks about here. Like, 
there's a vast amount of fun about us. Um, so I, prior to, was, you know, a, a very angry person, um, just crabby all the time and everything. I was very irritable and, you know, it, it, it again, it's that part about being an unloving creature, right? Because I was just so miserable and unhappy. Um, and the way that I looked at things was really problematic in that it, it, that's all the stuff that fed my disease. It put logs on the fire. And so um, it was this cycle of, you know, being irritated and other people weren't doing what I wanted them to and et cetera, et cetera. And I would just eat over it and eat over it. And that just got worse and worse. Um, and program did save me from suicide. And that is an important thing for me to remember. But here now being recovered, you know, working my program, doing the things that I need to do on a daily basis, it is a whole different ballgame. And I'm so grateful for this program. I am so grateful that I have a different way of living, that I have directions that come from this book. It is a utopia for me um, because right now, every day, I, as long as I put the footwork in, I can find gratitude for these different things. I, have, I can look at the things that happen um, in relationship to those around me as me recognizing like, oh, okay, here's an opportunity to do things differently. Here's an opportunity to practice the opposite of my defects of character. Here's an opportunity to, you know, show love and tolerance because that's my code now. That's what that looks like. And as I continue to pass this program on, I get opportunities just yesterday in the dentist office um, to talk with someone about program, as long as I'm willing to open up about it. Um, and so, you know, I'm just very grateful to everyone who's here today, very grateful for this program. Um, and with that, I will pass. Thank you, Shelly CR. And KDT, you're up, followed by Ann Carroll. Uh, good morning. This is Katie T, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. I just first want to say how privileged I feel to have this meeting available every day of my week. It's, it, it keeps me straight, I think. The piece of this paragraph that really struck me this morning, our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. And I think to myself, of all the people in my life who despaired of helping me, who despaired of being um, someone who could help me towards recovery, who could help me out of um, suicidal thinking, who could, you know, therapists, doctors, um, how it affected my daughter, my family, my friends uh, that had to stand aside and watch me in this self-destructive way of life, um, deep in self-pity and depression and, anger and hostility and terrible. It's, I, I regularly was so overwhelmed in my life with, with this disease that I was, felt such a victim of that there was nothing I could do. I tried so many things. It was an endless round of I'll try this, I'll try that, even OA. Uh, being in and out of OA several times, sometimes, you know, losing a lot of weight and being free of the food for a period of time, being abstinent and feeling really good and kind of like on a high, the pink cloud thing, but it was not, it did not last because I never 
work the program the way it was meant to be worked. I remember getting to amends. I never remember living in 10, 11, and 12, not really. And during that, during a, a period when it was the worst, I was in an outpatient um, eating disorder program, again, trying to deal with it. And I remember driving away from the meeting one night and having the urge to cut myself. And immediately the thought followed it, I can't do that because if I did, I wouldn't be able to stop. That's the view I had of myself. I knew what addictions were. I knew how out of control I was with my food. And I simply at least had the strength not to start that. I was plagued by suicidal ideation. Um, it was it was a horrible life. And the people standing around me, that, that's what this touched me about this paragraph. The people standing around me would have done anything to help me if they had just known what to do. And finally, I had, by the time I came back to OA this time after 10 years away, I had no resistance. I just reached out and grabbed hold and kept hold. And fortunately, I came in to a town and to meetings where Vision Few was being talked about, where I learned about this meeting. And thank you, my dear God, for leading me here because this has saved my life, not even just physically, but I have a life. I have a life. I have a life. And that's all. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Katie T. And Ann Carroll, you're up, followed by Amy G. Um, hi, this is Ann Carroll Kay. Um, uh, I don't know if you're following the three-day rule I shared uh, yesterday at the 8 o'clock hour. Yes, we are following the three-day rule. Okay, uh, thank then you for, I'll pass. for bringing that up, uh, Ann Carroll. Okay, I pass so right next now next time. Thank you. Amy G, you're up, followed by Kim T. Thank you so much. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I love this meeting. Thank you so much, everyone, for your shares. This idea of um, our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. I think that Bill chooses his words very specifically. And instead of saying our working with others or our holding hands with others, he's saying our struggles with uh, other, our struggles with them are very strenuous, comic and tragic. And I've been blessed to be able to sponsor a number of people over the years. And sometimes one of the most difficult things is to remember that I can only carry the message. I can't carry the compulsive overeater and what seems as plain as day as the nose on their faces, sometimes they will not or cannot get it. But my job is with deadly earnestness, and I think that's what he's talking about here, is to continue to be of maximum service, to practice Tradition 5, which is my primary purpose, is to carry the message to the still suffering compulsive overeater to the best of my ability. I work with others, I struggle with others because I need to do it. It's not optional for my own recovery program, but it's also to carry the message because we know what it is to be unlovely unlovely creatures. I certainly know that for myself. When I went to my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting, I saw joy, I saw fun, I saw laughter. And then they mentioned the word God and I got up in the middle of the meeting with all this drama and left. And someone with deadly earnest followed me out of that meeting. That person, God with skin on, if you want to call it that, followed me out of the meeting and talked to me. 
and handed me that pamphlet, Overeaters Anonymous, Are You a Compulsive Reader? In my mind, that person saved my life because with deadly earnestness, she knows what it is to be, she knew what it was to be dying of compulsive overeating, to have recovered and want to be able with deadly earnestness to reach out to me and say there is another way. There is a way to recover and be free where the food doesn't call you anymore. And so that's to me is what I feel. I know we hear laughter in, this, in these rooms. We hear joy, the joy of living because we know that we have been saved. I know that I have been saved from the hell and torture that was killing me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So I express my joy and my love of life now that I can have fun. But on the other hand, with deadly earnestness, I try to put myself in maximum, to be of maximum service to the still suffering compulsive overeater by carrying the message that these 12 steps have of freedom from compulsive overeating and doing so happily. So it's almost like a dichotomy. There's fun and yet there's earnestness. And I like to think that's what Bill meant. And I'm so grateful to be a part of that today, to be able to carry that message, to be a part of a meeting that carries that message. Because the recovery is here, the freedom is here. For the newcomer, we welcome you. And we want to work with you. I know what kind of creature I was. And it was not always easy. But with love and tolerance, someone reached out to me. Many sponsors reached out to me and saved my life. And for that, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for the deadly earnestness that we carry the message today. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Amy G. And Kim T., you're up. Hi, good morning. This is Kim T. from Northern Michigan. Um, I just wanted to share, uh, um, you know, words that I hope God inspired uh, and destroyed my pride, Lord, please. Um, Unlovely creature. I know people have touched on that, but I've been in a relapse uh, with two days here, three days there since July, and I just wanted to share that those that are still doing the same thing, um, I, it's painful and horrible as it's been, it's taught me so much, it's, it's taught me, I don't want to be at 113 pounds freezing and weak, and I, if I don't deal with my dishonesty, what kind of creature I become, um, People have tried to help me. Sponsors have tried to, you know, give their time. And I just, I've been an unlovely creature and, and such an understatement. Um, but I feel like I had to become that creature to get to a point where I knew who I really was on my own will and who I really didn't want to be anymore. Um, come Halloween, I two days after, I was at the bottom of a peanut butter cup bag, and I had the question in my mind, like, are you done? Is this fun? And, you know, the skin on my stomach felt like it was going to, like, burst or dehesce, and I still couldn't stop until I finished. Um, now I'm on day 10 of abstinence, entire abstinence, no messing around with my program, no BS, no exercise, no anything. And in the middle of this 10 days, I've had some really, you know, my son diagnosed with COVID and this nurse, he was four hours away having no control over that. My husband relapsing in his own addiction, having absolutely no control over that. Yet 
coming from where I couldn't get half a day to 10 days showed me that it's completely, I had nothing to do with it other than a little bit of faith. You know, someone I really respect says faith is the currency to make things happen. And I completely believe that. And I also believe that there's power and vulnerability. You know, I just had to pray, Lord, that I've made a mess. Just do with me whatever you will. And I, I'm so grateful this morning, in spite of the things that have happened this week, I'm just grateful for the miracles God's given me. And I had nothing to do with it other than a little bit of faith and willingness. And I'm so thankful for this meeting. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Kim T. And it looks like we have time for one more share, if anyone would like to take it. Loretta H. Okay, Loretta, take it away. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for being on this meeting this morning. And it has helped me so much. It's really saved my life this morning. This is Loretta H. I am a compulsive overeater, anorexic, grace with God's absence for today, recovered for today. Oh, my God, the awakening, a wretch like me, has been given this grace, and I forgot about it for the last week. And thank God I didn't get into the food, but I'm realizing this morning that the tragedies in my life, the brokenness in my life, are the things that give me the ending of that Christmas card that this chapter ends with. And I totally, this morning, believe that and want to believe that because I have been in the cups of my self-will, the cups of my just feeling sorry for myself um, because of some circumstances. And God has still graced me with abstinence. And with that... I do have a life beyond my wildest dreams. I am healthy today. I have abundance today. I have his hand to take and shake. So I am so grateful I heard everybody here. And yes, we are not a glum lot. And I have been glum this past week. But I know if I reach out and I am working with others, that this too shall pass and my brokenness will create the mosaic that God has always wanted for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Loretta H. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for this morning, Wednesday, November 11th, 2020, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 15,000. 758. That's 15758. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie G please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Lisa. Katie G, recovered in Boston. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.